folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And we're back. It's been uh, it's a few months, really kind of a long time, but uh, we're, we're back with a... We're, we're going to do a few, a few episodes for you guys uh, as we're working on a, a larger mini-series idea, which you will see probably sometime early in 2021. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, how are how, how are you handling the the pandemic? It's been, you know, at first it was great because uh, it's sort of like a Larry David fantasy of like just you don't have to see anybody, you don't have to talk, you know, like touch totally. anybody. You have like a, a, a just a really great natural excuse to um, you know avoid people uh, and stay inside and like binge tv that was like you were doing like something civically responsible uh which is it was fantastic um you know i stopped working which was really great uh you know it was like i felt like i especially the first couple months it was like i had a really productive day if i just like cooked a really nice meal and uh drank a bunch and watched uh six hours of british reality tv um and then you know the summer came that was also nice yeah uh and now it's sort of like yeah i mean now it's kind of you know, there's a little bit more uncertainty a little more broke a little more you know worry about the future lockdown but other, mm-hmm. you know otherwise pretty good um how about you jordan um, i'd say you know i think like everyone i've had my my pandemic ups and downs uh sometimes really fun sometimes really sad but um, overall, I am just blessed to to be alive and healthy. I feel like it's made a lot of my friendships stronger in a way. Like, I'm just so active in, in group chats now. And the great mm-hmm. thing about group chats, I'm sure some of you who are listening may have found this, is that you're just able to be honest uh, in a way that you that you aren't in the wider Internet. Like, you can, you can drop link, you can drop links. You can make problematic jokes. <laughs> you can make fun of people. You can make fun of people, which is fantastic. I'm sure I'm being made fun of in a few group chats somewhere. 100%. You know, I bet you already know <laughs> that I am being made fun of in group chats. Like, you might, you're, like, in them, but you're not a big enough player in them to be like, oh, do people know that we're, like, you know, friends and, like, do all this stuff together? Yeah, yeah. Or, or it's just me screenshotting, like, your Instagram post. Like, look at this dumbass motherfucker again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway... We just want to thank everyone who's been reaching out to us, asking us to do some new episodes and uh, saying that you missed the podcast because it's because of you that we're back. And we're yeah. really excited to kind of talk about some of the the hip hop, the music, that's the things that have happened in music since uh, quarantine kicked off. So we're going to get into some of that right now. All right. So the first thing we want to talk about is this new trend. Uh... Of, of rappers for Trump, something is ha- something is something's in the water in uh in in, in hip hop lately, as uh, quite a few rappers have come out being uh, support in support of the former United now the now former United States President uh, Donald Trump. So you had obviously Kanye, who has been a longtime supporter, um, big fan of the 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 red Make America Great Again hat. Then recently we had uh, Lil Wayne come out as a, a supporter of Donald Trump and also Lil Pump or, or, or Lil Pimp as, uh, as Donald Trump <laughs> called him. Uh, so, you know, I think Kanye, Kanye, everyone already kind of knew that he was on board with Trump, but the, a lot of people were surprised by, by Lil Wayne's support of, of Trump. 
but but I wasn't personally, mm-hmm. and and people seemed really hurt by it, and I, and I'm I, I wasn't either because it's just like first of all, Lil Wayne uh, in the not too distant past was talking about how black Li- the Black Lives Matter movement has nothing to do with him, and he basically, I mean, he didn't say that he I don't know if he out and out said that he didn't support it, but he basically was kind of dismissive of the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah, and talked talked about this cop that had saved his life when he accident when he or maybe not accidentally but when he shot himself mm-hmm. when he was a teenager mm-hmm. or a preteen even and he said this cop saved his life and so he knows good cops never mind that this cop later uh was fired for for police brutality <laughs> um that is like, so but but anyway so just based off of that alone i kind of wasn't that surprised by Wayne coming out and supporting Trump and i think on another level i think that some of these rappers they just like getting just getting reached, reached out to is enough for them to want to support a, a, a political candidate. You yes. know, yeah, yeah. like it's like it's like the, it's like the, even like I, like I think that a lot of Kanye's Trump support is directly tied to when Barack Obama called him a jackass. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. If it was Michael Jordan, we would understand it. He would have been like, I took that personally, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like with Kanye, yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's all been sort of for me is it will always be tied up in in this like weird his weird sort of meltdown phase you know and the the experimenting with red pill ideology and all this other stuff that is you know i just sweep under the rug mentally a bit um with with kanye because it's all feels a bit unfortunate i did feel that there was a to certain degree a um like some of the rappers were a little unfair, a little unfairly uh, maligned for it. Like Fifty Cent mm. had a like pretty hilarious Twitter post that, like, I mean, that's our Instagram post that really, Instagram, like, yeah. uh, you know, got a lot of press. Where he like saw, you know, uh, took a photo of some like uh, CNN ticker that was talking about Joe Biden's like marginal tax increase and was like, you know, increase at twenty percent. What the fuck? I'll be become thirty cent. Uh, vote Trump, <laughs> like that's just like like hilarious, like hilarious. And then and then like a week, within like a week was like nah, fuck Donald Trump. Like you know, it was cl- like and but you know it was enough for people to sort of like latch on to it. Um, yeah, and like his uh his his ex girlfriend Chelsea Handler, Fifty Cent's ex girlfriend Chelsea Handler, which is just a truly amazing sentence. Yes, to it really ever is. have to say said that she would she would pay she was like if he stopped supporting trump she would pay 50s taxes yeah which is just the a hilarious gimmick yes um but um yeah so 50 canada came out and said that he was basically joking he also posted something really funny so there's a in terms of wayne wayne uh also we forgot to mention ice cube is also one of the people who's uh at least we're considering working with the trump administration around their their policies for for the the black community Mm -hmm. uh and by I say black community, I mean like black people. There's there is no black community. <laughs> there are black people that that live in different communities. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I think that that's just the kind of come become the the catch all term. But it's not like all all black people in America live in one area or even have the same idea about about uh, everything. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Wayne Wayne, you know, met with Donald Trump. He praised the kind of platinum plan. Uh, and and Fifty Cent posted something really funny in his Instagram where he posted a TMZ screenshot of of Lil Wayne wearing um like a turtleneck and a sweater vest posing looking looking like like quite frankly like The Walking Dead posting next to Donald Trump yeah. and he uh, and Fifty was like oh no Wayne I would have never taken this picture 
is funny. Um, you know, there was a, a couple other rappers who didn't really get as much press for their mega support, maybe because it was in much smaller gestures. But uh, Walker Flock of Flame tweeted under like the shade room or academics or something like that. Yeah, yeah. academics saying that, uh, you know, responding to some random person being like, anyone who thinks Trump is as good a president as Obama is a clown. And, and <laughs> I mean, Walker was basically like, well, paint my face because, you know, uh, he loves uh-huh. he loves Trump. And I mean, Walker, I mean, it's sort of Walker Flock has been in, in a weird place the last couple of years. He's, you know, he referred yeah. to his own career as being whack. You know, he wishes he was like Nas. He doesn't. He's, he's been hom- homophobic and transphobic. Yeah. He's just kind of well, been like, it's like sort of almost, it's like almost this weird sort of self-destructive PR mission almost. It's felt like a little bit. Uh-huh. And I don't know whether he, well, what, what, what's motivating it, but it's just been kind of sad to watch. It To me, it's like people, and I have some people, I like, I can think of one person I know who has friends, like good friends at the university who, who posts kind of like things that I, I would say like are on the precipice of like being a, a hotep. And if you don't know what that is, just like go to Urban Dictionary. But it's basically just like what I see in, in Waka Flocka's actions is somebody who's trying to demonstrate how different they are and how they're actually like a really smart person. I'm putting these in quotes mm-hmm. by kind of being a contrarian and not even really having, in my opinion, done the proper research to really back up whatever it is that your, your claims are. Yeah. Um, but I mean, on another level, when people are so like, I, I'm just for me personally, I am just not surprised by any rapper being a supporter of of Donald Trump because I think that there are, there are some similarities between I think how rappers see themselves and how they see Donald Trump is like you know I think I think people re- some people really buy into the kind of self made man thing of Donald Trump and I think rappers feel like themselves are self made men mm-hmm. and also this is like people who are like running their own like business that's become like a in a lot of cases like a million dollar multi million dollar biz enterprise mm-hmm. they just feel that connection to him because he in a lot of ways. Donald Trump was representative of like of like the kind of like extreme wealth and success that a lot of rappers aspire to. Mm-hmm. All is to say, all their support is for not because uh, you know old old forty five just lost the election and uh, there's there's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. So yeah. yeah, that's that's that on that. Yeah, I mean, again, I also it's like rappers are just the most ruthless self promoting people, right? I feel like sister, you know. And, and frankly, usually their schedules are so busy and and the, their just sort of life has so much tunnel vision that they don't. I mean, it's sort of become a newer phenomenon that they are even have any expect, expectations of being super politically aware. Obviously, there always have been a certain that certain strain of Paul of like, you know, overt political awareness and activism within hip hop. But, uh, you know, kind of I, I, I don't know. I mean, like. How many rappers do you think would turn down $5 million from Kim Jong-un to perform in North Korea? Like, <laughs> I would say, three? Yeah, four? I know, I know. You know, yeah. like... Yeah, if that, it, if that. Right? Like, if that. I feel like, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, there's... A, so Ice Cube, who a lot of people were disappointed in because of his previous activism, it, uh, seemingly going against the kind of things that Donald Trump stands for, and then him, you know, working with, Don, with Donald Trump, meeting with the team... And discussing ideas, people were really disappointed in him. And then he actually had a tweet about how, you know, the Biden campaign did reach out to him and they wanted him to meet with Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, 
why would I meet with the vice president? She's like not even the boss. Yeah. Which to me is just so indicative of what is like kind of like I think can draw a lot of rappers to to the Donald Trump campaign mm-hmm. is like you kind of have you have you're granted an audience with the president of the United States. Like regardless of his policies, there's something intoxicating about that access to power for a lot of rappers. And they're never as transparent about it as Ice Cube was in that moment. But I feel like that's like kind of like the, the thing underpinning a lot of this stuff, including co- a lot of Kanye support is like Barack Obama bashed him. Donald Trump praised him. Yeah. Period. You know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the little the little pump part was probably the funniest and saddest part to me, because it's like, yeah, I feel like little pumps career is probably more or less over. I don't really expect him to ever have a, another hit or, you know, I agree. I agree with that. I, and I will say, as you know, I was thinking about this as like I, I, I have praised Little Pump on, on we have praised yes, Little Pump yeah, on this podcast before, um, and I kind of, I, I, I kind of thought of him as like a just innocent, dumb fun. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like how I thought of his music, and uh, and uh, I mean, I don't necessarily regret saying good things about <laughs> his music, yeah. but uh, it is, it is pretty, it is something that like you know, a short year and a half later, it's like. Things are looking pretty grim for him. Yeah. And I mean, what was the shelf life of his style? I never really saw him as You're right. being the type You're of rapper right. that was going to evolve, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are rappers who are of the moment and there are rappers who uh, who get who grow and, and transcend that. And uh, Trump was always going to be that. You know, he's a Trump era rapper. You know, the stupidity yeah, of this true. era. It's a nice little bow on, on the end of it, you know? <laughs> and, and that's a nice little bow on this conversation. Yes, indeed. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. Um, um, so let's, let's talk. As, as we're recording this, uh, yesterday came with the, the truly unfortunate news that King Vaughn, a 26-year-old rapper from Chicago, uh, was shot and killed outside of a nightclub in Atlanta. Um, and... I mean, any loss of life is is extremely tragic, and he, you know, has has kids and a, like family, and um, and also on top of that was a really quite an excellent rapper. Yeah, I mean, um, he. One of the things I, I kind of did in early COVID was I started kind of getting more into like the nitty gritty history of uh, Chicago drill. Um, and so, you know, listening to artists like Young Pappy or, um, yeah, L.A. Capone or, or someone like that, who I kind of listened to at the time. But, it, it, you know, back in 2014 or 2013, there was so much, frankly, there was so much good music in general. But also in Chicago, it was a little bit harder to, it was so much new, dr- like drill, it was a little bit harder to differentiate people. So it was nice okay. to kind of go back with a little bit of retrospect. And one sec. So, so for into, some, into the history for someone who's not familiar with Chicago drill, how would you describe the music? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, music that's, that's tied to like, I mean, historically drill music has always been tied to sort of the gang culture, like subcultures of Chicago, especially Southside Chicago, N- not exclusively, but you know, one of the big themes of it is sort of like gang allegiance and like, and gang uh, opponents or ops, you know, the opposition. Uh, so talking about other gangs, talking about, you know, it's sort of that's sort of the, the thing that would differentiate it from uh, other kinds of gangster rap, you know, uh, is this sort of the the heavy sort of gang allegiance and the, and the sort of 
shouting out the people from your gang and shouting out the people from the other gangs mm-hmm. in maybe mm-hmm. less favorable terms. But, uh, you know, the, it, it, like drill music kind of came out a little bit after what sort of modern trap music is. You know, it was sort of mm-hmm. like uh, at the same time that Gucci Mane and Waka Flocka, OJ the Juice Man, were... Uh, taking sort of what the the pro the earliest like trap music, which would be sort of like a, a three six mafia, young Jeezy, Ti, and and really consolidating a sound around it, the Lex Luger sound in Chicago, uh, King Louie, and then uh, Chief Keef being you know who someone who we've talked about a lot on here, and his producer Young Chop really kind of carved out a distinct sound of. Um, you know, it's it's almost like a little bit more ominous trap music, really, mm-hmm, on, on the mm-hmm. production level. Uh, and, yeah, lyrics that, are, you know, really document the uh, harsh realities of life in, in, for these kids in Southside Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with, like, ominous sounding. It sounded, it's the, the production sounds very haunted. And mm-hmm. um, considering how much how much uh, death is referenced in the lyrics. It also really kind of suits it. And I think it, in a way that, um, that drill is also like, I mean, like you're mentioning, it's like, it's pretty insular. Like, like what makes a drill song popular often is the details of these various kind of back and forth between these rival gangs and like how you're representing your neighborhood or et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. in addition to the artists that you mentioned, King Louie, Chief Keef, uh, there was also Little Dirk. Who, mm-hmm. uh, on who's the most successful? He's the most successful it. on a major label level mm-hmm. of, of, yeah. of any of the artists that kind of broke out in 2012, 2013, Chicago Drill. Like, Chief Keef mm-hmm. is, still, is still producing music, but he's more on the margins. He kind of has his own fan base and, like, you know, mm-hmm. does, doesn't seem to uh, adhere to any kind of market trends or anything like that. It's just kind of doing what mm-hmm. he wants to do. And Dirk has really evolved into being this kind of like fantastic consistent artist who you know had a breakout another breakout moment this year where he was uh, featured on drake's uh latest single laugh uh laugh now cry later mm-hmm. but anyway so he uh he him and king von are from the same uh block in in uh chicago they're cousins they're cousins damn yeah yeah uh um and so yeah and king von was like i guess was little dirk's biggest artist basically and mm-hmm. Uh, Vaughn, so the thing, the thing about King Vaughn and his music in, in particular is that he, I would say more so than any of the other Chicago drill rappers and more so than a lot of even modern young rappers, uh, really had a, a gift for like kind of complex narratives. Yeah. Just like a complex narrative that, that would feature kind of like sometimes three dimensional characters and even have mm-hmm. like little have there would be a sense of humor to like some of the stuff that would happen in the story and like Mm -hmm. you know these the kind of like really cinematic really cinematic scenarios that he would create which is just Mm -hmm. which just which shows a a kind of like next level writerly skill that i feel like a lot of current rappers don't really have yeah he's a uh you know i mean going back into to like the you know not to be like a real old head about it um but like going back to really some of the earliest days of hip-hop you know grandmaster flash Melly mel kind of stuff you know storytelling was a really really intrinsic part of hip-hop um 
And, you know, I think it was one of the things that uh, for older hip hop heads has kind of been a bit of a lost art. I mean, one of the reasons Kendrick Lamar is so popular with a certain kind of, of uh, listener is that he's one of the few people who really carries that torch of storytelling. So it was really refreshing to have someone like King Vaughn who comes from like this world um, and uh, is, you know, like, I mean, again, a lot of drill, a lot of drill music has historically kind of retread the same formula a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm my, 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 you know, gang is, are, are all sliders, you know, they all, all they all step they my the oppositions they are not they're not like that at all. That's like kind of the formula for most uh, <laughs> true. for most drill songs, you know. Yeah. But you know he whereas he he put out a trilogy of of song of of uh, you know crazy as there are no crazy story songs and even yeah. his other songs. His, his um, biggest song is a song called uh, "Ticker to the O," which is a yes. reference to his, his his neighborhood and O Block, uh, which is. And it's also like a crazy narrative that has, yes. uh, and you know what, this is, this is also, even these narratives are kind of like a part of a, even like a more recent, like modern, modern trend that a few artists, I think most notably to me, Speaker Knockers, who had a series called Rico Story, and yeah. Mill, who had, a, who had a series called Tony Story, which were also yeah. these kind of like grand narrative songs that yeah. they then like uh, would kind of do updated versions of with a new, with a new story. But um, yeah. I, the first King Von song I heard, which I think I was pretty, I was pretty late on King Von. I probably started listening to him maybe earlier this year or late last year. The first song I heard from him was was um, "Took Her to the O," and it just kind mm-hmm. of it, it, it blew me away at, at how, yeah. at just the level of detail, the 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 turns in the story, like the 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 actual writing of the story features like yes. a lot of just like interesting you know na- uh, narrative turns that you're just kind of like, oh, okay, what's going to happen next. And then, yeah. and it also has this. It also has a sense of humor about it. It's a pretty grim sense of humor, but it's a sense of humor nonetheless. So let's yeah. actually play a little bit of a uh, took her to the O right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he, for me, like, I was super excited about King Vaughn. I would say, um, for me, his, his passing is, uh, you know, as felt as much as uh, Pop Smokes was earlier this year. You know, mm. he, I, I was really, I loved his music. I felt like, you know, he had a really distinct voice. And I, I just, it was amazing to see his progression because he really hadn't, you know, for someone who had been around these really successful rappers for a long time, he hadn't, that really hadn't been his role in the group in the crew for until I think 2018 or 2019. Like he's really not been rapping very long and he, yeah, 2018, I think he's, and he's just grown. He, he had so much potential as an artist and, and even the work that he's put out has been so good and mm-hmm. really up my, 
alley in terms of this, yeah, creative storytelling and 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 uh, having sort of a fresh voice for Chicago rap. And I mean, it's it's just been a, a pretty brutal year for Chicago rap because the other, in my opinion, the, the other like biggest drill artist that didn't that wasn't a really a big artist like like Dirk or, or Keith before from before 2015 was uh, FBG Duck who's from sort of the rival gang of, of uh, King Vaughn and Dirk. Uh, they were, you know, they weren't friends, but uh, he was also an amazing rapper who had, uh, you know, was multidimensional. Uh, so it's, it, you know, his his legacy, I think, is sort of complex because on one hand, uh, yes, he had made a, a big impact and I think um, was was really... You know, it, in, in similar to Pop Smoke, had sort of an outstri- outsized influence probably for his time in rap. But also it's quite tragic because I would say two, the two, in my opinion, the two biggest artists who hadn't really broken nationally or internationally, like someone like Dirk had from Chicago or Juice World um, or Polo G even, were killed this year. You know, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a it's his it's the legacy is unfortunately it's to me it's mostly tragic. You know, I don't think he really had enough time yet to really uh, to 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 fully realize so much of his potential. What he did give us was amazing, but um, you know, it's 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 quite sad mm-hmm. that you know in his young life and and in his the young stage of his career, he's just not he didn't really get to fully realize so much of that potential. You know, I think on top of everything you said, it's like part of like King Von's skill and his talent level and his, his skills as a, a writer, as well as a rapper is that, you know, I think that for a lot of people who can be dismissive of drill music, you know, King Von's one of those guys whose skill was so transcendent in terms of just the mm-hmm. actual writing that you kind mm-hmm. of, he was essentially undeniable. Like any kind of rap fan for the most part, you'd have to be able to at least respect the pen. He was a he was bringing something kind of fresh and new to the to the drill scene and was a uh, somebody that was like one of the bearers of the kind of new the new school of uh, Chicago drill at least. Um, yeah. So as we let's as we like move out of this this segment, let's just play a little bit of uh, King Von's crazy story. Got a drop on this flexing nigga. He from Tennessee. I had a thought. She be with this shit. She told me way be I say for show. Baby, let me know if you wanna eat. She like Vaughn, you already know. Just put your girl on fleet. I'm like, cool, I can do that, boo. What you want? Some shoes? Jimmy Choo, with a handbag too. Red a baby blue. She get the smile. She ain't used to this, cause she ain't used to shit. I'm just laughing. Could've been a pimp. The way I move my lip. I be speeding. Could've been a driver. The way I push the whip. You a hoe. Could've been a bitch. The way you throw. But fuck that, right back to the script, cause this a major lick. He got bricks, plus his neck and icy, and it matches wrist. Now it's like six, told her hit his phone, meet her in a wick, but he ain't go. So yesterday also brought the unfortunate news of the, the closure of a, a legendary Toronto concert venue called Mod Club. And Mod Club was a kind of a, a pretty, a small theater of a capacity of about 620 that played host to a lot of major artists' first shows in the city. So that includes artists both who are, who are both from here and also other touring artists who are just kind of like on the come up. This would be the first place they played in Toronto. Um, there's like a lot of history there, a lot of like massive seismic shows. I, to me, the, the most famous show, I think, like at least in the lore of the culture, uh, mm. would, be, would be The Weeknd's first show. 
which I think mm-hmm. happened in 2011. Um, and this is when the weekend first came out and it was everything about the weekend was mysterious. They're like, is it a group? Is it, is no it, one knew is what it, he looked like no one knew what he looked like. People thought, is, is this a rock band? They just didn't even know what to think about it. And then mm-hmm. I remember the, the tickets going on sale and being snapped up within like minutes. And yeah, it was the hottest ticket in town. I remember I had a friend, um, a friend of mine who had tickets and she was going to the concert and I, I, just, I just thought she was so cool as a result of just getting tickets for this concert. I'm like, how did you manage to get tickets? Like, you're going to be at this show. And um, everyone that, that went to that show, I think, like, you know, it's like it's a memory they'll, they'll have for forever. Um, mm-hmm. Other other major shows that I remember taking place, there was the Odd Future. The Odd Future's first show in Toronto happened at Mod mm. Club. And I remember I remember that also being a very hot ticket that I couldn't, right. get, <laughs> couldn't get. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've seen some really amazing shows there. Like I remember, I went to, I, in 2014. I went to see, I saw a little Bibby and uh, Ty Dolla Sign there, which is a great Whoa. show. And ran into my friend Corey, uh, mm-hmm. who just just started managing this artist named Murder Beats, and right. uh, <laughs> and this is like 2014. And I just remember like all these kids were coming up and asking for photos of Murder Beats, and I was yeah. like, this is this is in 2014. So he was like, yeah, yeah. he was like you know, one twenty fourth yeah. as big as he is now. And he was already yeah, yeah. getting recognized and kids were pulling up on him. It was just like, a, it was just like, you know, one of the, a, a good memory I have from there. And I said the last, yeah. the last, the last really good memory I would say I have from there amongst so many other events that I've gone there, but we, we went to see Rico nasty there um, yes. in 2018, probably. Yeah. That's right. And that was a really fun show. It was just like interesting. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about a place like mod club, especially when it, you know, it was amazing when it was packed, but it was also amazing when it was like half full. And this Rico Nasty show was half full. And I remember just so many like great things. And one of the things I remember was just like this like teenage, like teenage girl who was like 15, clearly mm-hmm. the biggest Rico Nasty stan, uh, who's mm-hmm. there by her, by herself, just at the back of the room, like yelling all of the, all of the words and fucking dancing and going nuts. And it was just like, it was just cool. Cause in a place like that, you could see how an artist like Rico Nasty, who was on, still on the come up, um, had already like kind of had this like rabid fan base, and and it was just so mm-hmm. easy to 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 kind of see it from the vantage point of being there, you know. Yeah, for me, uh, like honestly, my major memory more than even the concerts that I went to was the fact that it was the first nightclub I snuck into with a fake ID. Um, and I had a fake when I was. I mean, I I have always been like a baby faced, young looking guy. Even when I was a kid, I looked like when I was 18, I looked like I was 12. But for some reason, the only fake ID I got was by this name, guy named Andrew Lloyd, which is also coincidentally my uncle's name. He was 25. So like whenever I would go out, I'd wear a suit to make it seem like I was older. Uh, Yeah, my friends were were had I had two friends who were older, uh, were kind of my main friends in my first year of university. And they... uh, (laughs) They had made friends with like one of the this like British guy who was like one of the owners of Mod Club, and he'd given him these things called Mod Club memberships, which you could use to get in. Like it was for like the, it was a VIP card for the Mod Club, and that you could use that to like get in at any point. So being that they were these kind of VIPs, even though they were like twenty one or something, they just liked the same like British rock music. They we went and like got in and this was like my first time even having sort of like a also first time really sneaking into a club in toronto it was also my first time being having sort of like a vip experience of going to like an area with like a the 
the owner of something and having like an open bar and being on the stage and stuff. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, I, this made me feel like I was such like a rock star. I like, I you know, like just to be like this guy who's like hanging with the owner of the club and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, I can't even remember the kind of music they played. I think it was like, I don't know, indie it's dance stuff. Gr- 2000, this girl, is 2005. Girl talk you know. Yeah, I think so. I think that must have been it. But uh, yeah, that. So like for me, that's it. That is like my real association with Mod Club. I the it was like kind of the first nightclub I really went to. That wasn't like a a, a you know a concert type of type of thing really, or like a mm-hmm. small dance party kind of thing. Was something that's a, a bit grander. Yeah, so. I, I just I just got to fact check myself. That the Odd Future show was I think initially scheduled for Mod Club, but then it moved to the, the Phoenix. Yeah, that, I think that, that that does sound right. Um, uh, but I remember, like, uh, in addition to that, a lot of major Toronto artists had their first big show, or first, like, kind of, like, hometown shows there, including, like, mm-hmm. Jazz Cartier, Nav. Um, yeah. Daniel Caesar. Daniel Caesar. Uh, yeah. and, a few, and a few others. So it's a, it's a really hist- a venue with a lot of history in this city, and um, the city is, a, is lesser without it. Yeah, for sure. And so, it's going to be a, a sort of sad, a sad thing. I'm sure if even if you're not from Toronto, you probably have your version of the mod club that's struggling right now. Yeah. So a lot of venues probably around the world, music venues are going to close around the world, uh, which is truly unfortunate. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess all, all you can say is you got to, you know, hold on to those memories of these places, uh, of, mm-hmm. you know, the venues that as you were coming of age and going to shows that like kind of provided these special circumstances and um I don't know, RIP Mod Club. Yeah, RIP. All right, folks, so that's this episode. This is our first one back. We're probably going to do maybe one or two other ones and as we work on this like broader idea. But once again, we just want to thank you for your support. Um, and hit us up or follow, make sure you're following us on our Instagram, which is at Ketchup Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, like, you know, if you like our podcast and you want us to keep doing more episodes, tell a friend that you think would be interested to listen to the podcast because that actually, you know, does wonders for us. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we have listeners all over the world. We have listeners in 101 countries, you know, been getting shout outs recently. Like the, the thing that kind of really encouraged us to do back, to get back into this, uh, start recording against, we were getting, you know, hearing from our fans in Amsterdam and in New Orleans and, and, and here in Toronto. And it just, it's, it's been, it's, it's really encouraged us to kind of get back in the booth and, and makes make discuss hip hop uh, in a this kind of thoughtful way for you guys. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, hit it. You know, I, we're both I think getting a little bit more active on Twitter these days, and uh, so we're there too. If you want to, you know, you got some pressing question about hip hop, you want to hit us up. You can yeah. go there and uh, and and see if we already talked about it, or, or or you know, add us. If you have any questions, hit me up on on, on Instagram. I'm at Jordan is Joso. Um, yeah. and uh, or come through the, the Catch Up Podcast Instagram. Anyway, we'll we'll be back soon with with more for you guys. But thank you so much for listening and stay safe. Yeah. <laughs>